This is your Friday Daily Delivery Podcast. I am Michael Rand, and got a huge, huge show today. Super excited. I'm going to be welcoming Brad Childress, former Vikings coach, longtime assistant to current Super Bowl coach Andy Reid, onto the show in a little bit, and Drew McGarry from Defector Media, longtime friend of the Vikings, longtime friend of mine, um, to talk a little football as well to get you set up for the Super Bowl. But first, what did I miss? Um, oh man, you guys, it's uh, we're just gonna be we're gonna go one thing, one thing only, because only one thing mattered last night. Gophers men's basketball team loses seventy six seventy two to Rutgers, a game they led seventy to sixty six with two twenty two left. Rutgers closes on a ten to two run. Here we have another example of hero ball, everybody, hero ball. You saw it two nights ago when the Timberwolves blew a very late lead, 16-point lead in that case, a much bigger one. D'Angelo Russell tried to do too much down the stretch. Didn't work out for him. We saw it again in the last two possessions of the Gophers' loss, in particular to Rutgers with Marcus Carr, who did have a very good game overall, 18 points, seven assists. This was a better Gophers' road effort, but still they have not won on the road all season long. And what, what I mean by hero ball, you know, it looks really bad when it doesn't work. It's one of those things where we want these we want the really good players to take the shots, right? When they make the shot, everybody celebrates. That's why you call them a hero, right? But when it doesn't work out, when it just looks like an overdribble, it looks like a force, it looks like it looks like they're not getting their teammates involved. You're like, well, what just happened? Why did they take that shot? Well, Marcus Fuller, our Gophers basketball beat writer, was on the show on Thursday, described this perfectly. He said, car struggles on the road. The Gophers struggle on the road is kind of part of their identity, and he wrote he wrote a very nice game story in today's Star Tribune, described those last two possessions, talking about the over-dribble on, on the first one where he gets trapped in the corner. They have to call timeout. He gets the ball back. It's a step-back jumper. Okay, not a terrible shot. You know, he's made those shots before, which is a point Richard Patino makes, and I'll play a little clip from that in a minute. But So misses that shot. Rutgers is already up one. Rutgers goes down, makes some free throws. They're up three. Last possession is the one that really looked bad. He just you know dribble, 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 no urgency, and then you know into a double team. And anybody, you know anybody who's played even a marginal amount of, of basketball uh, is watching him and probably saying you know watching him get trapped, double team, and a lot of these late possessions, screaming somebody else is open. There's four of you. There's three of them, you know, accounting for that double team. There's probably an open shot if you don't pick up your dribble or you don't get caught in the corner. But we've seen Marcus Carr make those shots a lot, too. And that's the point Richard Pitino wanted to make after the game was over. Well, we ran a play that's won us a lot of games. And, uh, you know, we just didn't get the right shot that we needed to. Um, You know, but it's been good in the past. Wasn't good there. You got to give the defense credit. Um, But I thought that for you know, 37 and a half minutes, we were terrific. You know, Patino is right, but, you know, in a game with 22 lead changes in a game you absolutely have to have, um, you've got to be able to close out games. You've got to have better possessions. And in games like that, really the last two and a half minutes are all that matters. And I don't want to be over dramatic. There's a lot of season left, but this does feel like a game where at the end of the season, a win or loss here could you could look back on this and say that was the reason the Gophers did not make the NCAA tournament? They're still in it as of now, I think, but there is so much work to do. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. 
This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Thrilled to have our next guest on the Daily Delivery podcast, Brad Childress, former Vikings head coach, former assistant coach at numerous stops, including uh, under Andy Reid in both Philadelphia and Kansas City, knows Andy very well. We'll be watching the Super Bowl with a uh, definite interest on Sunday. Uh, Brad, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Michael. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, I guess I want to jump right in. I think we need to talk Super Bowl right off the bat and just, you know, Andy Reid, the Chiefs, your extensive relationship there. You worked with him uh, for, for a number of years, had a lot of success, including in Kansas City. What What is it that makes him unique and or successful? How, how has he been able to get to this position and now, you know, complete the ultimate you know, the complete the ultimate by winning the Super Bowl last year and then being in there again this year. Well, it's, it, I mean, it's really multifaceted. It, it, it probably starts with his, with his, his work ethic and, and uh, the, the time he spends at, at his craft. Um, and, and then I think it goes on to him evolving. He's not the same guy that coached with Mike Holmgren at Green Bay, even those were nice offenses. He's, he's always, uh, he hasn't put up barriers to what's new. Uh, if there's something that's in vogue in college and he's evaluating the player, he's evaluating the player, but he's also evaluating the play. And he, he's not, uh, he's not immune to stealing a play if, if it will work within his offense. So he's grown. He's not a dinosaur. Um, and which is, which is rare in this, in this day and age. He has a quarterback, um, Patrick Mahomes, who can fix a lot of, mistakes but when you put a quarterback into a system like that you know with a with a coach who has a good offensive reputation now you were in Kansas City the year Kansas City drafted Patrick Mahomes um, and you actually I believe got to call some plays for him in his rookie year when he got to start the last game of the season what what was it about Patrick Mahomes and that system perhaps that 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 seemed like it was going to be a good fit and you know maybe it didn't picture exactly how far this could go but but what was it that 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 Kansas City really liked about him back then well the first thing you like you know at quarterback is his his arm talent Um, not everybody has the kind of rare arm talent that he has Um, just all the different platforms I mean he's against all conventional coaching of the quarterback you know Um, Unfortunately, we know the roll right, throwback left interception in the NFC Championship game from a few years ago. He obviously uh, has taken it to another level was roll right, throw left or roll left and throw back to the middle of the field. Um, so the arm talent is, is one thing. And then um, he's, he's, he's a little bit better athlete than you give him credit for. He, he can move enough. He's got some escapability. Um, and, and I think he's got great eyes. He's got great vision. Um, there's no place on the field, he can't reach with his arm. And uh, I think that's the thing that, that that's scary for defenses is, is they know that, that you better defend every blade of grass from sideline to sideline. Even if he's rolling right, he may come back all the way to the left side of the field. Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for Kansas City, um, very highly regarded. Um, you, uh, your relationship with him goes back a ways. He was on your, some of your staffs with the Vikings. He was, you know, a running back, running back coach, I believe, uh, for, for some of those years, at least what, you know, 
why why doesn't he gotten an opportunity yet? Is it the the way the the system is set up where it's hard for coordinators to get interviews when you're having too much success? Uh, I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't know why he's he's still you know nothing wrong with being an offensive coordinator, but it seems like his time should have come already. Yeah, I, I think sometimes uh, you can struggle with the fact that people always want to know who's the play caller. Um, they asked that question when I came to the Vikings. You have to know that everybody puts it together the same way. Uh, EB would do just fine with that. Uh, but, you know, there's that big presence out there of, of Andy Reid, and he's the play caller. I guess that must be what it is because I know Eric knows everything from protection to route running to uh, course integrity as a running back. He knows the reads that a quarterback I have to go back to the system and, and, and say that, you know, it's flawed from the standpoint that you ought to be able, you know, there shouldn't be a restraint of trade. In other words, if, if somebody wants to talk to you about a job, they ought to be able to talk to you about it at a given time when the season's over. Um, it, it's not going to water down what the product is in the Super Bowl because you hired a coach before that, before he was able to get out of the Super Bowl um, and talk to him. So, I have to say it has something to do with the, uh, with the process. I'd be remiss. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to pick it an old scab necessarily, but when we, you know, when I, when I say Eric B enemy, we're going back to the, the 2009 then 2010 seasons. If, you know, how you and I've talked about this before for, for different projects, but you know, as you, th- if, if you think back on your time as a, as a head coach with the Vikings, is there any one single thing that you say, man, if this had gone differently 2010 might not have played out the way that it played out. Yeah. I, you'd have to probably zero in on the Randy Moss uh, thing and how I dealt with him um, and, and not keeping the owners completely in the loop with what was, ha- what was transpiring and, and uh, um, probably emotion got the better of me uh, at that point in time. I didn't think he was good for our football team. Um, and, and as a football coach, you just want to make sure that that's a thriving environment um, but I, I would say probably his dismissal, him going down the road. I wish I would have handled that better. The good of, of that era was 20, uh, 2009, obviously such, such a great season and Brett Favre, obviously being a, a, an integral part of that. You you've talked to me before about, you know, how important quarterback is and, you know, kind of chasing that quarterback who maybe, uh, it's going to be kind of a, a multi-layered approach here, but maybe first, you know, maybe take me through a little bit of, you know, Favre's arrival again, but then also I'm going to use that to, to ask you about a couple other quarterbacks as well. Yeah. We had kind of had a, a, a dialogue going, if you will, through the summer. Um, he had some physical issues. He had a torn biceps that he had, or biceps, I believe it was um, that, that he needed to uh, have taken care of before he could really, physically throw a football again. And, um, uh, I believe he went over to Pensacola to, uh, Dr. Andrew's office and had that done, um, had it taken care of, had it rectified. Matter of fact, his agent bus cook sent me a video of him. He was kind of wacky. He was on some kind of pain meds and he didn't want to go under. And Dr. Andrews was going to do it under kind of a local operation, talking to him about getting that thing fixed. And then obviously recruiting him to come to Minneapolis and, um, Ted, there was a reason that Ted Thompson traded him to the Jets because he didn't want him back in our division. And who would have known that the Jets were going to uh, draft Mark Sanchez and all of a sudden Brett Favre was going to be on the street again. So it was a, uh, it, it probably, you probably visualize it back 
during that draft, Sanchez was taken and then uh, uh, Favre was put on the street, I think within a day or two, then the dance kind of began. Obviously his fortunes were directly tied to those of Aaron Rodgers, who you know became the starter in Green Bay in 2008 when when Brett left for for the Jets. Um, you know, Rodgers evolved into a very good quarterback and actually wins a Super Bowl after the 2010 season. How good Aaron Rodgers has become, I, I'm I'm surprised that they haven't won or even at least been back to another Super Bowl since then. Is that surprise you, or does that speak to how hard it is to get there well i think it speaks to a couple of things it speaks to how hard it is the, the the journey to get there and and um and repeating um just because you win a division you get in the playoffs anything can give um i would have thought probably like you and probably like many that having the nfc championship game come through green bay you know you could say it'd be a totally different story with fans in the stands um but he is a tremendously skilled guy and, and just watching him play throughout this year. Um, I don't think there's any question that he's the MVP on Saturday night before the Super Bowl. Um, he, he, he brings a lot to the table and he, all those arm slots that we talk about Patrick Mahomes having, he can throw it that same way. He's got a live arm and uh, a live arm at the age of uh, 36 or 37. Speaking of live arms, Kirk Cousins, um, Vikings current quarterback, good arm, good thrower, good passer, above average quarterback, in my estimation. What, how do you evaluate Kirk Cousins and how do you, what, as, as you think about Kirk Cousins, how do the Vikings get beyond where they've gotten with Kirk Cousins and, and can he ultimately get them, a quarterback like that and specifically him, get to a Super Bowl with the Vikings? I think he, I think he can. Um, he, he had to be one of the top ten, top five quarterbacks. I mean, you, you were top five in offense this year. Um, I don't think there's any reason he can't. Uh, he's got a good runner behind him. Um, probably need to add a little more skill at wide receiver. I know the tight end positions in flux, but at the end of the day, you got to protect that guy too, so he can do the things he wants to do. And at the end of the day, with what they want to do, running the football, that offensive line has got to be able to change the offensive line. We used to always say that if you're going to be a good running team, whether you're University of Wisconsin or at the Minnesota Vikings, you have to be able to change the front. In other words, change the line of scrimmage. And if you can't do that, I don't care what kind of runner you got back there. He's not going to do much. Was offensive line an underrated strength of that 2009 team? I, I, you know, I don't necessarily think about that, but I, I feel like that was a good line at the very least. It, you know what, in my opinion, it was, I mean, from Herrera, who gave you some toughness at right guard to Sullivan at center to Bryant McKinney and Steve Hutchinson on the left side, hard, hard pressed to find two bigger, better, stronger uh, left side players. And then Phil Lodeholt playing the right tackle position kind of held it down for a lot of years. So I, I think it was underrated. Nobody talks about it, but it was a very good offensive line. Brad, last thing for you, spinning it back to Sunday. How will you, not not like where are you going to watch it, but what will you be watching for in the Super Bowl? And and do you have any any thoughts on who you know who you think is going to come out ultimately with the win here? Yeah, well, so I'm pulling for the Chiefs. I don't make any bones about that. But I, I think the uh, the thing that'll be interesting is to see kind of how Andy's melded that offensive line together. They've had a ton of injuries. They've lost both tackles. Uh, and I think they've lost a guard as well. 
uh, truly a next man up thing. But uh, those are some premium rushers that Shaq Barrett and uh, Pierre Paul, those guys can can rain it down on you. And uh, as I just mentioned earlier, without an offensive line standing in front of Patrick Mahomes doing their job, uh, it's hard to have success if, if they can't block him up front. Is Kansas City going to repeat? It hasn't happened in almost 20 years. You know what? I think they're hungry enough to repeat. And, and I, I think maybe this, uh, this off season with the COVID and without everybody in the building and all the back slapping that goes on, you know, they didn't get together till back in August when everybody got together. So there wasn't a lot of that going along. And as you know, it's been a different year. It's not like you can be out in amongst people all the time. So I think they got a great chance and I think they, they still have a great hunger. Brad, thanks so much. Great stuff. Uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy the, 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 the post-retirement life. I'm doing my best at it, Michael. <laughs> All right, Brad, take care. Thanks. You bet. Thank you. Great catching up with Brad Childress. I love his honesty. I, I love his candor. I love, you know, the long kind of coaching relationships he's had in this league. And I love the way he sets up this next interview as well. This week would not be complete, the very first week of the Daily Delivery Podcast, if I did not talk to Drew McGarry, um, longtime uh, friend of, uh, of, of mine, friend of uh, the Vikings, and a very, very talented writer and podcaster in his own right, now with Defector Media. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I mean, we're going to have a vodka as big as your head, Rand. Oh, man. Did you, did you do that because you knew you were following Childress? I did. I did. I loved that quote from him. That it's was a great always quote. very humanizing to me. And it's so, a gr- yeah, it's a great quote. It's anytime I complained about Chile as a, as a game manager and stuff, I remember he was a, a relatively enjoyable personality at the very you know, and and I found him to be like you know the the segment today was good. I found him to be like in his post you know post Vikings life. He's been great whenever I've when I've needed to talk to him. But we're not here to talk more about Childress. We're here to talk about you and uh, and the Vikings and some Super Bowl stuff. First off, Defector Media. Tell me more about this. This is kind of the uh, kind of like if you took everything you liked about Deadspin, but then moved it away from the the things you don't like it about Deadspin. Uh, that's Defector. Yes. I mean, well, it was that, um, you know, we had our old jobs, but it was becoming increasingly clear we weren't going to be able to write uh, the way that we had been able to in the past. And not only that, we weren't able going, we weren't going to be able to um, sort of expand our horizons in the way that I think we were capable of doing. Uh, So we all quit. uh, And then in September of 2020, we started Defector. Uh, and it's been fantastic because it allowed us to write the things that we have been writing in our old jobs previously. We've also been able to branch out, you know, because, um, you know, we, we are obviously we're under no obligation to just write about sports, even though that's primarily what we do. We write about science, write about politics, write about television, write about, you know, you know, that may sound like, oh, sports and culture. Wow. Who, <laughs> who I guess that, but we've been, um, you know, we've been following new muses and and I think it's, it's stuff that we would we would only do it if we felt like it was compelling to readers. And it's been working. The response from readers has been really, really positive. And we have about 37,000 subscribers already. And we've been able to pay ourselves and give ourselves health insurance. So it's been, it's really, it's really worked out as well as it possibly could have given where we were, um, you know, at the end of 2019 with the, the site we used to work at. Paying yourselves in this economy? Yeah, we had to do it our damn selves. I can't believe it. We had to become 
businessmen. Now I get to say I'm a small business owner. Well, good. I'm glad things are going well. Um, it's I, I enjoy the site, obviously, um, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 good, good. I'm glad uh, I'm glad that that content is still uh, is still out there because Deadspin, you know, original Deadspin was was some of the uh, some of the best, uh, you know, very influential web stuff. Um, you know, back in the day, it was probably part of the reason why I even started writing my own blog. So, oh. you know, I'm glad that you guys uh, are 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 doing doing more good work in that regard. I'm glad you blogged too. Thank you, Drew. Um, now we we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Super Bowl. What sure. have you do you write up? Do you? I mean, obviously, you do the Jamboree. What what do you what do you think about this game? It's kind of a cool matchup, I, I think. Uh, I like the teams. I like the quarterbacks. What do you think? It is. I've sort of I've gotten over my Brady fatigue because you know the other thing is you know well this is the last football game of the season and it's a good one. I mean, I think Packers Chiefs would have been a more compelling matchup on paper, but the Packers. Blew it. And I'm not even saying that as a hater. Like I, I wanted the Packers to win that game. They didn't. Um, but you have Mahomes versus Brady and that's a really good, good matchup. I, there's nothing about that, that, you know, on a, a superficial, just entertainment level is going to be boring. It's going to be an interesting game. I think so too. I mean, Mahomes is otherworldly Brady. Um, I love the stat that Brady has now won as many NFC titles as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. That's, <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's, it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the bitterest cheap shot uh, against the Packers that you can possibly. But it's true. You, well, you kill you know them with facts. Gonna, well, you know what's going to happen is that because I know people who have the take that, that Rodgers is a better quarterback than Brady is, like just in terms of like on their all time list, like they have Rodgers above them. Uh, and I think, you know, one thing Brady has done because he's accomplished so much. But I think we're going to get into like it used to be that the, the ultimate measure for quarterbacks were rings. And that's why Montana was number one for a long time. Although I thought Montana was the best I'd seen anyway. And then Brady came along and, and beat that record. And it was like, okay, all right, he's the best now. And he had earned that, but he's won so much. And, you know, and Mahomes is already coming up and so impressive and so many guys and the game's so different now that I think we're going to get into an NBA sort of situation where it's not really going to be measured as much by rings. Because like LeBron doesn't have as many rings as Jordan has, but that has not stopped people at all from making perfectly compelling, viable arguments that LeBron is the GOAT and not Jordan. And I think that football is about to enter that phase too, where we're not going to have to have these sort of basic, you know, old boy metrics to, you know, gauge which quarterback is better than, than which. We can be more diverse in that. We can talk about style. We can talk about you know, what, you know, whether or not it was fun to watch them play or, you know, or, or what kind of teams they were, you know, what kind of influence they exercised over their teams. So I, you know, I think all of that will be good. I think that'll be better for, um, you know, sort of just bar argument stuff going forward, no matter what happens on Sunday. Was your term basic old boy stats? Was that what you said? Yeah. Old boy wasn't right. Like just like old fart. Yeah, no, no, I liked it. I was gonna, I was gonna use it as a segue to talk about QB wins with a Z and uh, Kirk Cousins and where, where, what are we? What's, what's? Give me your, your Vikings fan. You suffer. You've suffered. What, what's your, what's your master plan? Do you, do you say you got to ride it out? You just this, you this is the guy you, you know, you signed him. You do you say, uh, this is a weird off season. Seems like a lot of quarterback shuffling going on. A lot of opportunity. Get out from underneath it. Start over push in all the chips for Deshaun Watson. What do, what do you want to do? I know it's hard because the, the Vikings paint themselves in this corner where it's hard for them to make any good choices. 
um, you know, because they went into this season going all in on certain parts of the team, but not all in on other parts of the team, like sort of rebuilding certain parts on the fly and, and hoping it could work. It obviously didn't. And they did that. The one reason they were able to do that was because they restructured Kirk's contract. So it made it less onerous uh, for 2020, but then locked him in for the next couple of years. And, you know, it's tough because, you know, I, I used to laugh at Kirk defenders when he played here in DC, you know, cause I, there were, you know, to me, there were obvious, obvious glaring deficiencies in his game, no matter how efficient he is. And now I'm of course on the other side of that and having to talk myself into him just so I can enjoy watching the Vikings from week to week. Cause he's a capable quarterback and he was not the worst part of the team this year, but. Um, however, however, there's, there were a couple of things. One is that, you know, the, he hasn't demonstrated, um, you know, he, he hasn't demonstrated an ability to evolve past the offense or to compel Mike Zimmer. And I think this is a lot of this is Zimmer's problem too, or a problem with Zimmer, you know, to, to, to excel in a game that goes beyond what Zimmer is demanding for him in terms of just doing nothing but running on first and second down and then doing play action on third down. You know, he's very good at that. Um, but, you know, this isn't, this isn't 1987 anymore. And, you know, the Chiefs are, you know, pretty much the test case of, of what an offense needs to look like, uh, you know, moving forward. And the Vikings are stubbornly not doing that, in part because I don't think Kirk is capable of being that kind of player because he doesn't have, um, you know, the sort of pocket awareness that someone like Russell Wilson or, or Patrick Mahomes has. So there's that problem. And the problem is that he's also a good, efficient quarterback. Unless, you know, unless Houston gets really stupid and says, hey, give us him for Deshaun Watson. Right? And, a few for, and a few first-round picks. Yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. And the other thing is that they need the first-round picks. They have no, that's they the have problem. No, they have no front seven. Yeah, that's the hard I, – I don't know what the ideal answer is. It, it's, it, I don't know if the – you know, the basic answer is go get yourself a Patrick Mahomes, which is the, uh, <laughs> the eternal struggle. So we'll, we'll see. Well, it's not just that. It's, it's get Patrick Mahomes, but get the, get the coach – uh, you know, get the infrastructure around him that is able to get a player This is able to tailor everything they do toward the talents that player has. And more and more, it's becoming clear to me that Zimmer is more of a system coach um, than someone who is willing to adapt. And that that's been especially true, particularly if you read uh, Tyler Dunn's piece on I Zimmer did. on his site, basically saying that Zimmer treats Brick Spielman like garbage. He doesn't listen to people. He's always right. All of it sounded, frankly, very credible and eye-opening in a way that I had not really considered before because Zimmer's results on the field, you know, I know it's, you know, winning record one year, losing record the next year, but, you know, he's still the best coach that they've had since Denny Green, and I haven't, and that's been, like, as satisfied as I can be. But, you know, it's clear to me that Zimmer and Cousins both have this sort of, you know, 10 or 11 win ceiling to them. And nothing past that. So you have to decide whether or not you're satisfied with just being merely good, or if you're going to nuke it all so that you can, you know, start fresh and, and really, and have a chance to be a team that goes 13 and three and 14 and two consistently. That is the big question. We're not going to solve it right now, but that was a good talk. I appreciated that. Um, good stuff from you as always. Let's do this again sometime soon and uh congrats again on the success of uh of defector media everybody go subscribe to that and uh, and get that on your daily reading list 
Anytime. All my best, Rand. Thanks, Drew. See ya. Let's end quickly with the cooler. Two huge hockey series this weekend starting Friday. Gophers men's hockey, Gophers women's hockey, both against Wisconsin. Bummer that these are, you know, we're still in the times where we can't go watch these games because this would be tons of fun. One note I wanted to make, too, Randy Johnson, uh, who covers a lot of hockey for us, does the puck drop uh, newsletter, should be on the show sometime next week. We get a tweet this week noting that Gophers game against Ohio State, men's hockey game against Ohio State, drew almost 165,000 viewers on Saturday last week. That is the highest-rated national college hockey broadcast since 2014. So cool stuff. A lot of people watching the Gophers, and you should probably do the same the rest of the year. That'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining me all week on this brand new Strip Sports Daily Delivery Podcast. I've had tons of fun, and we're going to have even more next week and beyond. And we'll talk to you on Monday with a lot of Super Bowl talk. Jim Suhan um, should be on the show with me. Tom Linneman played the game. He'll be with me too. Great stuff coming Monday, so I hope you'll come back and join me.